We're in this message now on how to change, how to change. I understand, Pastor, there's areas in my life, and how many will join me in saying there's still some things in my life I need to change? Anybody willing to do that? Okay. And the rest of you've got one called lying, okay? And uh, that'll be next Sunday's message. I can tell right now where I need to go. Someone asked one more time, how many will join me, the preacher up here talking right now? There's some areas in our life that we still need to change, all right? And, and God's working on, and we're changing, and we're a grace church. And how many's glad you're in a church that gives you room to do that, okay? Nobody's pointing a finger and telling you you're going to hell. We're just going to help you get to heaven and get there happier, all right? And so we're that kind of church. So how do I change? change my life? How, how can I really see a visible, tangible change in our life? And, and see, if we're not careful, what will happen when you're struggling with something long-term and it's like something you're really not seeing some change in, you can really let the enemy start beating your mind up and start dealing with this thing of what's really wrong with me. You know, there's something wrong with me. If, if there wasn't something wrong with me, I could get this thing changed in my life. And, and I think God knew what he was doing when he wrote the Bible. You know, how I many's glad he knew what he was doing when he wrote that book, you know, that we live by? And, and he said there, he said, lay aside the sin, singular, and the weights, plural, that so easily beset us. And the word beset there means ambush. And if we're honest in here, all of us have some areas, and there's really like that one strong area that we just really have to battle most of our life that seemingly that's just like that one thing. Man, if I could just conquer that one area, it's like I'd be one victorious Christian. Anybody with me on that? And, and then these weights, these little things that just keep popping up every now and then that, that come to beset us, to ambush us. And so I want to talk to you today out of one of the, the heroes of the Bible called the Apostle Paul. He wrote most of the scripture in the New Testament, and here's what he had to say about this topic, how do I change? Here's Paul. I, I think he's a pretty good Christian guy if he wrote most of the Bible. Anybody in agreement with that? Okay. And here's what he said, I don't understand myself at all. Now, if you think you do, just ask your spouse and they'll straighten you out, all right? I don't understand myself at all for what I really want to do. I, I really want to do what's right. I really do, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the very thing I hate. Anybody been there? Yeah. It's like, man, I'm going to start exercising on Monday. <laughs> yeah, we've been doing that for three years. Going to start. It hadn't happened yet, all right? Hadn't done it yet, all right? I, I'm going to forgive. I'm going to work on my marriage. I'm going to build my relationships. I'm going to overcome this addiction. I, I'm going to get rid of this, this generational stuff of poverty and abuse in my family. I, I'm going to make these changes, and yet they don't happen. And the very thing I want to do, I find myself not doing. And the things that I say I, I'm not going to do, I find myself involved in. And, and we've got to come and look at this on why aren't we changing and how do I change? Because if you refuse to change an area in your life, and, and all of us have these now, if there's an area of your life or whatever it is, if you refuse to change, there's a progression that I want to show you real quick because this is not the message just to let you identify where you are if you're struggling in an area of your life, if you refuse to change, here's what happens. Number one is your crisis or your struggle becomes your identity. What you're struggling with begins to identify you. And, and haven't we done that? We've all been, you know, that's John. He's the drug addict, you know, and there, there's Mark. He's the alcoholic. And, and there's Pete and Mary, you know, they got the marriage issues going on. And if we do not change, what we do is unconsciously begin to identify ourselves by our struggle. 
And what will happen is unconsciously you'll start your day thinking about the very thing. It will be the thing that consumes your thought of the day because you identify yourself with your struggle. Am I right? And, and so if, if you're not surrendering that area, if I'm not giving that area of my life up and seeing change in it, it identifies me. Number two, when it starts identifying you, you start feeling hopeless. And when you start identifying yourself as one with anger or addiction or, or I've got this problem, I've got this habit, I've got this dependency, you, you're looking at a preacher and those that go here know my quick story, but I, I've never done a drug. I mean, ibuprofen knocks me out, okay? So if I ever did crack, I'm gone, all right? And uh, so I've never done drugs and, and I've never tasted alcohol. I don't know what a beer tastes like. I'm 57. That doesn't make me better than anybody else. It's just growing up, I feared my father more than I feared God. And uh, he would kill me if, I, if he found out, so I just didn't do that. Uh, that didn't make me any better. But 12 years old, I went through a horrible experience, and I grew up from 12 to 38 controlled by anger. I had a massive amount of anger, uncontrolled anger, many times in my life. And, and, and when I was in high school, I'd sit on the other team's stands and scream for my team just so somebody would mouth off, and we'd get it on, you know what I mean? And I just wanted to hit somebody. And, and it was an uncontrolled anger in my heart, but I had to let God bring a healing in my life. And so all of us have something that we've had to deal with or we're dealing with right now. And so you've got to come and understand that if you, if you don't let change come, you identify yourself by that, and then all of a sudden, a spirit of hopelessness comes in. And whenever hopelessness starts taking over your life, it turns into this thing called despair. And whenever you're living in despair, you're no longer looking for change because you don't think there's hope for it for you. Are you with me today, Nod? All right? Number three, when you start turning into hopelessness, this thing starts turning into hopelessness, you start becoming defensive. And you start defending the very thing that you're asking God to change in your life. So I'm seeing about 15 heads nodding yes right now. So I think I'm preaching the right message today. You asked for this, by the way. All right? You start to, I have a right to be angry at my spouse. I have a right not to want my marriage. I have a right to go get drunk on Friday night because you don't know what happened to me Monday through Thursday. I have a right. And I start defending the very thing that I'm asking God to change. But can I tell you this today? You will never change what you defend. You will never change what you defend. And then when you start defending it, you start living like a slave to it. It owns you now. It, you, you become its property. Because once you become defensive, you become a slave to that thing, that area that's destroying your life. And the Bible repeatedly talks about being a slave to sin. In Romans 6, 7, and 8, it talks about our, our battle with the spirit and the flesh and how the spirit man wants to rule our flesh, but how our flesh wants to rule our spirit. And there's this battle going on, and anytime you allow your flesh to take control and you start defending why you're doing something that's controlling your life in a negative way, all of a sudden, you just gave permission for your body and your mind and your emotions to become a slave to the very thing that you're asking God to change in your life. And when you allow yourself to become a slave to it, you lose your dream to it. It takes away your purpose. It takes away your purpose. Your potential is gone. Your purpose is gone now. You've had dreams, but now you feel like you've messed up to the point that you will never see that dream take place in your life. Anybody besides me messed up? I mean, just once, you know, just, just one. Now, how about 100,000? <laughs> okay, my wife's here. Let me tell the truth, all right? A lot. 
okay? Here's the great news of the gospel, folks. It doesn't matter how many extra chapters we've added to our book because of mess-ups. doesn't matter how many extra chapters we've had to write out that God didn't intend because of our mistakes and our mess-ups. The final chapter remains the same in Christ. And he concludes it with his grace being effective and powerful and changing in our life. And, and so you've got to come and realize today that, that if you don't allow that change, and I don't allow that change to come into our life, our dreams are taken away, our purpose is taken away, and we start existing rather than thriving. Amen. And we miss our purpose in life. It's not you that the enemy wants to destroy today. It's God's purpose in you. It's not you that Satan hates today. It's God's purpose in you, that dream that's inside of you because God wants to use your life to impact thousands of other people's lives with the hope of Jesus. And so Satan can get you and I wrapped up in our bondage, wrapped up in our struggle, and wrapped up in a slave to all this stuff going on in our mind. We lose our dream, we lose our purpose, and we lose our effectiveness in impacting other people's lives. That's what the enemy wants to destroy in you. So how do I change? Let's go to Romans chapter 6, 12 through 14. And how do I do it, pastor? Okay, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give into sinful desires. Anybody here still battle? Come on. The rest of you got that sin of line still going on, all right? Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves, and here's how you change. Here's how I change. And it took me doing this to have this, this thing of anger destroyed in my life is give yourself completely to God. Amen. Say that with me. Give myself completely to God. If some of you would give yourself to God like you do your ball team, you'd be free today. And hey, I'm all about ball, man. I'm an athlete. I love athletics. I'm a hunter. Season starts in two weeks in Kentucky. Yes, it does. I'm going to be in a deer stand in Kentucky in two weeks. You just mark that down, all right? But I'll be here preaching. Don't worry, all right? So you, you've got all those things, but if I gave myself to God, to all these other things that I'm so enthusiastic about, I'd been free a long time ago. Amen. They're not wrong, but let's get that excited about being free. And this is the secret of life change, just going all in. Go all in with God. Give yourself completely to God. You see, most want to go partially and get full results. Amen. You can't go in partially and get full results. You got to go all in with God and give God everything. You see, when you go all in, soon sin no longer is your master. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's amazing grace. And I promise you today, I promise you, if you will do this for just for 90 days, they say if you do anything for 90 days, it'll change your life, becomes a habit. Just promise me, I'm not asking you to do it for 90 years. Just 90 days, make a commitment, God, I'm giving in. I'm, I'm surrendering in. I'm going all in with you for these next 90 days, and I'm surrendering this area of struggle in my life that I need change in. I'm giving it to you, God. I'm committing myself to not go get drunk on Friday. Friday nights. I'm committing myself to leave everybody alone that's not my spouse. I'm committing myself, God, to stay away from that pornography. I'm committing myself, God, to leave those drugs alone. I'm committing 90 days of my life. I'm going all in. Just all in, Father. You watch what God will do in your life. Come on, you with me today? It's a commitment. And so how do I go all in, Pastor? All right, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to answer that. Number one, You've got to give up the excuses. 
You, you got to quit all the excuses. And boy, aren't we experts on excuses. Can we all make an agreement today that our breakaway day is today? And this is the day that we're going to stop excusing our failure Stop excusing our, our area that we, we stay surrendered to and it's destroying our life that we need change in. Can we just make an agreement today that no more excuses? Amen. I'm ready to walk free. Amen. I'm ready to go free. And Jesus made an announcement one day. He told everybody, he said, look, I've got this massive dinner set. I want to invite you to come. You're going to be my special guest and here's what they did is in Luke in your notes 14, but they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I've got to go and see it. Will you please excuse me? I mean, you know, God, I just bought that new boat this week and man, I need some time on the water. I know I got this stuff going on, God, but we'll work that out later. Just excuse me right now. And another one said, I, I just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. You know, God, I got those Yahoo season tickets, and they play on Sunday. And we live at the beach, God. I'll give you what time I have left. Excuses. Still, another said, I just got married, so I can't come. So let me ask you today, what's your excuse? What's the excuse that we keep throwing out on why my marriage is not getting better? Why I'm still dealing with this drug addiction? Why I'm still dealing with this alcohol problem? Why I can't get off that internet and that pornography that's controlling my thinking? Why am I not able to walk in forgiveness of that offense that took place 30 years ago, 20 years ago, and it still owns my mind and emotion? Why am I not free to truly forgive and walk in, in the freedom and the grace of God? What's the excuse there is none. The offense is real. Been there. Lived it. I'm not making light of the pain or the crisis you're going through. I'm saying we've got to stop letting that control our life and start walking in the freedom that God has made available to us. Because every one of us in this room today, there's a chapter in our book that's ugly and dark and painful and hurtful. And we wish to God it wasn't there, but it's there. But it's that chapter in our book that's going to show the grace of God in a measure that we've never seen before. And it's going to highlight God's unique work and message in us when we understand what it's like to truly walk free. Amen. Come on, are you with me today? And so you've got to come today and realize that, that you've got to quit the excuses. And then number two, you've got to make a break. you just got to make a break. You've got to break away from it. And can I just be honest with some of you? Some of that means you've got to get away from some of your relatives. <laughs> well, I didn't plan on coming to church and hearing that. Yeah, some of you need to get away from some negative relatives that don't want to see you free. They want you as miserable as they are. Amen. That's some good, that's worth coming to church for right there. And we hadn't even took up an offering. You understand? All right. You, you got to break away. Some of you, it's your TV. Some of you, it's your video games. Some of you, it's the time on the phone. Some of you, it's your Friday night partying and getting stoned. Some of you, it's running around and messing around with wrong people and the people that's not your spouse. Some of you, it's the weekend bar scene right before the weekend church scene. How did Steve Urkel, did I say that? 
Some of you got to break away from hanging out with negative, destructive people that you know will support your failure and not correct it. Now, y'all quit pointing at other people sitting around you. I'm looking all the way in the back back here, and it's like, now I keep pointing because there's four of them coming back at you. Yes, they are. Okay. All right. Now, I'm just playing. Just playing. All right. How many hold both hands up and say, okay, God, this message is for me too. This is my message today. All right. Come on. Help me in here. All right. I'm picking on you if you're just pointing to somebody. I'm glad you are. That means you're listening and you're making sure they are. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. And so you've got to watch out. You've got to break away from hanging out with people that are negative. Some of you are in relationships right now. You know there's nothing positive going to come from it, but somebody's filling a void in your life and you know it's not even healthy. You know you're unequally yoked in that relationship. You're trying to go one way in life, and they're taking you somewhere else. Let me help you as a pastor right now. Just put their number. No, go ahead. You can do it right now while I'm preaching. The only time I'll ever give you permission to do this is just go ahead and pull John's name up and just send a three-word message to him right now from pastor and just say, John, it is over. That's, that's not that hard. Or Mary, it is over. We're, we're through because you're not healthy for me. I pray for you. I bless you, but we're not doing this anymore because it's unhealthy and it's destroying my life and it's become a bondage in my life and I'm breaking away. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. That's not just people. That's also the things we read, the conversations we have, the things we watch. Don't don't be unequally yoked. Don't feed the very thing you're asking God to free you from. This is good preaching today, by the way. I'm going to get saved before it's over myself, all right? And so you got to make the break. Jump all in with Jesus. You'll never regret it. So number one, going all in is no excuses. Number two is making the break. Number three, you've got to fill the void. you got to fill the void. You move away from something and you don't replace it with something else. It's just a matter of time before you go back to that thing that was controlling you. you got to fill the void. I mean, I grew up in church. Anybody grew up in church like me? Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And when you get through with those, thou shalt not again and not again and not again. Going to hell, going to hell. I don't know where all that come from. All right. Don't worry about that. Stay with me, okay? That lying devil in that screen up there. Just going, no, I'm just kidding. All right. But what, what is, how many, anybody grow up in church? I mean, you couldn't breathe without going to hell. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I didn't even want to go to church on Sunday because I already felt bad enough. And then when the preacher told me I was going to hell 14 times, I really felt bad. Amen. All right? I mean, you going to hell, going to hell. I thought I saved till I got to church, and now I'm going to hell. All right? Amen. And no, that's, that's not what God wants to do in your life. You got to fill that void. And, and God, he's not here to sterilize you to boredom. I mean, he don't want to so clean you up that life's so boring. I mean, he wants to clean you up so that you can enjoy life, not be afraid of it. He don't want us walking around like we're in some sterile bubble, can't have no fun. That's what I love about this church. One of the many things is we're safe, we're going to heaven, but man, we know how to have a whole lot of fun while we're on the way, all right? Just have some fun. You gotta fill the void. And so how do I do that, pastor? Okay, I got that part, so how do I fill the void? Number one, you fill the void by giving your life completely to Jesus. 
And I love this scripture. It's one of my favorite scriptures in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes or she becomes a brand new person on the inside. Amen. He or she is not the same anymore. A new life has begun. How do I feel that void in my life? How, how do I get free? How do, how do I change? As I come to Jesus. I quit making the excuses. And I, I come to Christ and I surrender everything to him. And, and I feel this void. I make that break. I get away from all the negativity and all the sin that I was involved in. And, and I begin to fill that void now with this person called Jesus. Amen. Let me tell you something. I have more fun by accident than that world ever has on purpose. I love my life. I love my life, man. I can't wait for the sun to come up in the morning because I love life. I love the opportunity that it gives me every day to impact somebody else's life with the hope of Jesus. I love waking up with an amazing, beautiful woman beside me for 35 years that we didn't wonder where's the other one at all night long. Nah, man, God's gave us something special. I, I, I get to watch my children serve God. I get to pastor the greatest church in America. I mean, what could I not like about my life? And when you give it to Jesus, he gives you purpose and reason. And he fills those areas of your life. You see, many in the church have never experienced God's ultimate plan for them because they've never gone all in for Jesus. Amen. God wants you to go all in. And so how, how do I do that? Number one, you got to fill the void, all right? So how do I do that? You give your life to Jesus. Number two, you get in a small group. Amen. You connect with other people. You involve yourself in a small group, and today's our small group sign-up day out in the parking lot. That's why all those tables are out there. And I want to challenge you today, and everybody look at me for one second. All you need for salvation is Jesus. Amen. All you need to go to heaven is Jesus. Amen. But to live successful on this earth, you need other people in your life. Amen. Are you hearing me today? Amen. To walk in deliverance, it requires other people in your life relationships create life change. Life change comes through positive relationships. And so if you're going to find yourself breaking away and filling that void and finding that deliverance and change coming in your life, you've got to have other people in your life. Proverbs 28, 13 says, he who conceals his sin does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. And what small groups do is they bring that relationship. You get to know other people. You don't need to go tell everybody your stuff, but you need to tell somebody. You need to have somebody you can trust and, and talk to and share your hurts and your struggles and your pains with. Can I tell you this? Preaching, our preaching, when Pastor Brad and I or Pastor Ryan, whoever's up here, and we preach the gospel on every Sunday morning, we're going to give you the best that we can offer you. I promise you that. But I can tell you this, our sermons, our messages alone are not going to change your life. They will encourage you, they will exhort you, they will equip you, they will give you direction, but they will not change you. Life change comes through relationships. Amen. Are you with me? The word will exhort me, it will encourage me, it will motivate me, but life change, deliverance comes. Jesus says, confess your faults one to another. That we come to that relationship with other people that I can say, man, I blew it last night, I just blew it, got mad, said some things I shouldn't have said, went out and done something stupid, and helped me so we don't do that again. 
and know that it's not going to be in the newspaper tomorrow in the Pensacola Journal. You've got to have some people like that in your life that don't think bad about you on your bad day because we all have them. And so you've got to build these relationships. And so what you've got to come is realize this. A heart change comes through Jesus. A life change comes through people. A heart change comes through Jesus, but a life change comes through people. And today, when you leave this building, we want to encourage you, go out into the parking lot. Our goal this fall semester for the next 13 weeks is to have at least 250 of our people in a small group these next 13 weeks of our fall semester. Let me give you an idea of what's waiting for you out there. Men, all men go, hoorah. Hoorah. That was so sick. Come on, guys. Come on, one, two, three. Can I get a? All right, that's, I feel good now. All right, that just put the women's ministry down to shave. Yes, sir. All right. I'm preaching. Shh, shh, shh. Zip it, zip it. Okay, all right. That's the women's director over there, by the way. All right. And she did challenge me to a tube ride behind my boat, and I said, after the women's director, I will be glad to, all right? Okay, and so it's on. Men, hey men, out there today, there's a men's coffee small group, a men's power lunch small group. There's a men's lunch and gun small group. Just eat before you shoot, all right, so you're happy. There's a men's guitar small group. There's a men's basketball small group. Ladies, can I hear a haru? Okay. <laughs> I didn't say I like you yelling at your husband. I just asked for a haru, all right? Okay. Women, there is a refit small group for exercise. Women, there's a crafting small group. Women, there is a biblical foundation small group. All married folks go, yes. yes. Really, like you're really happy you're married. All right, can you do that for me? Yes, all right. Okay, marriage. We have a re-engaged small group, which is awesome, and I pray every married couple in this church will go through it. Great small group. We have a date night small group where we're gonna be out in boating and, and, and all kind of stuff. We have a marriage, we have an imperfect wives small group that's for wives that, that they realize that they can't fix everything in their marriage, but they got God, and it's gonna help fix it. And, and Drew over there had a small group for, I'm the head of my house, small group, and we had to cancel it called Crystal won't let him do it. Amen. <laughs> That's going to sink in. That's going to sink in in a minute. I'm the head of my house, but we can't do it because Crystal won't let him. All right? Okay. See, some of you, it took a little while, but you got it now. All right? We have six student small groups for our teenagers that's kicking off to this week and our, our teens. And, and listen, we have a Bible study small group, two prayer small groups, a weightlifting small group, a game night small group, a most excellent way small group for those that are struggling with dependencies of any kind. We have a walking in the Holy Spirit small group. We have a small group. 27 small groups are waiting for you out there. Join one and let God bring relationship and change in your life. All right, you ready? And then, how do we change? How do I fill the void? You find your purpose in life. Find your purpose in life. The main thing that I've learned from pastoring in 35 years is that I can't solve everyone's problems. So I had to quit trying to do that because I found out the best way that I can solve your problems, the greatest thing that I can do for you is give you something greater to live for than your problem. greatest way I can help you overcome your problems is for you to understand you've got something greater to live for than your problem. Amen. And your problem oftentimes when God brings that deliverance is going to be the door he's going to use to set many other people free. Amen. 
many other lives to be healed. And you've got to come today and realize that God has purpose for your life. People who are living life more successful than others do not have less problems than you. They have found their purpose in life, and they know why they exist, and that's what you haven't found yet. People that are living successful today have just as many problems as you and I do. They've just learned that life's more important than their problem. They've connected with their purpose in the midst of their problem and let God and them take care of the problem. You with me today? Find your purpose in life. And if that's, that's greeting in a parking lot at a door, on the stage in worship, whatever, come out tonight at Grow Track. If you're brand new here, Pastor Brad will close out. Tonight at 201, Grow Track 201, we have an amazing meal. We have child care. And just for an hour and 15 minutes to an hour and a half for four Sunday nights, if you'll commit to those, we're going to help you identify and find your purpose in God so that you can fill this void in your life. Join us here tonight at 6 o'clock. And on your notes, you'll see the rule of five. And I want to challenge you when you go home, fill those five lines in. What are they, Pastor? It's what five things do you have to do every day in your life to find the success that you're looking for, to find the deliverance, to find the happiness, to complete the purpose in your life. What five things do you have to do every day right now? They can change over time, but what five things do I have to do every day of my life to reach my goals and reach called the rule of five? My staff has to go over it every Tuesday. I'll go over it with my staff. I do it personally. What five things do we commit to every day of our life to reach the dreams and the goals of our life? Then next, and last of all, you live your life for the good of others. How do I feel that void in my life? I begin to live my life for the good of other people. And that I don't live just for me, but I live that God can touch my life. And I say this at every prayer, every Tuesday morning, 6 o'clock prayer, every Saturday, 9 o'clock prayer, I let everybody leave with this, and that's this, and I'm going to let you leave with it today, that every day of our life, God has assigned a special appointment with somebody. I believe that with all of my heart. Every day of my life, I look for that appointment. Every day I'm looking for it. Every day. They joke around here that I've been over and tie my shoes and 16 people got saved. That's not true. Okay, that's not true. Brad exaggerated on that one. All right, I wished it was. But I can tell you this, every day of my life, I'm looking for that opportunity. I'm looking for that appointment that God has set up today so that I can change someone's life with the hope of Jesus. And I want to challenge you today that you begin to live your life for others. You see, it takes courage to say, I've decided. I'm going all in. I'm following Jesus. And I'm going to see the change that takes place in my life. True life change comes through four things. They're the foundation of this church, and we close. Number one is knowing God. God just wants you to know him today. That comes through a salvation experience. We're going to pray in just a moment. Number two is finding your freedom. Finding your freedom through the deliverance that God brings. And, and God said, let every man work out his own salvation with fear and trembling. We want you to know you're in a church right now that's not going to judge you. We're going to help you walk out your deliverance while we walk out ours. And number three is discovering your purpose. That's God's redemptive work in your life. That God doesn't want to take you back to where you were before you messed up. God wants to take you all the way back to his original plan in your life before he created you in the womb of your mother. And then number four is making a difference, walking out life's fulfillment, God's plan for your life. God has something amazing for you. Don't let the struggles of life keep you from that. But today, let's make a commitment to God. I'm ready for the change. I'm ready for the change that I need in my life. 
in Jesus' name. How many receive God's word today? Amen. Amen. Bow your heads with me as we pray. If you're in this room right now and you say, Pastor Dan, I'm a Christian already. I know Jesus today, but this little simple message today has touched my heart. And I realize and identify right now an area that I need change in my life. And today I'm ready to make the break. I'm ready to make the break. I'm ready to make the break. I'm ready to do what I need to do. And I'm going to commit to seeing this change happen. How many would raise a hand and put it right back down? I'm not going to point you out. Just letting you do that between you and God, really. How many right now would say, Pastor Dan, I'm not a Christian right now. I know about God. I know God's real. I know he loves me, but I have to confess today things have happened in my life. I've, I've let things happen or I was hurt or whatever, and I've got on the wrong road. I'm not a bad person. I'm just in a bad place spiritually right now, and I just need to come home to Jesus today. And I just want you to pray for me. I'm not going to point you out, and I will not come to you. I just want to pray a prayer with you. If that's you right now, would you slip a hand up? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hand down once you raise it. Anyone else, just say, that's me today, Pastor. I need God in my life. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. Any others will join these many that have raised their hand. And online, you can join us online. And so I need Jesus today in my life. I'm ready for that change. I don't want to keep living like this when I know he's got something so far better. I'm ready for that change. Anyone else before we pray? If you raise your hand or you did not, or maybe you're online and you need to pray today, pray this prayer, and we're all going to pray it with you. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you now. You said in your word, if I would come to you, confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Believe in my heart that you raised from the dead. I can be saved. So right now, I come to you. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I believe in my heart that you raised from the dead, and I receive you right now as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, according to your word, I'm saved. I'm a new person right now. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, we give God a praise for these that have prayed today. Thank you, Lord.